Are you ready to get into what the Lord has for us today? So am I. Let's grab our Bibles and hold them high. Let's make this declaration of our faith this morning. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for this word. It is the absolute truth. And I believe it. It is your personal love letter to me. And I receive it. It's the answer to my questions and the answer to the world's issues. Lord, today, my ears are ready to hear your word. My heart is ready to receive your word. And I, by faith, am ready to be a doer of the word, no matter what comes my way. Now let me pray. Father, as we approach your word today, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing, would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I ask that I would only say what you would have me say and do what you would have me do. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's good to have Pastor John here. He's recovering. He asked me to share, so I'm privileged to have that opportunity. And last week, Pastor Michael was really, really under the gun because the Patriots were playing at 1 o'clock. We're not under the gun today because the Patriots aren't playing until 6.40. So. But you've got to be praying because there is a problem for the Patriots today. I just want you to know that. The, I think they're going to do really, really well, but it's hard because the Bible says that Jesus is the chief's cornerstone. So... We're going to be in trouble. It's going to be like Paul. It's hard to kick against the goats. Mike, can you just, wherever you are, Mike, just didn't. I'm full of inflated jokes today that really have no good meaning. So (laughs) that's another one right there. Very good. We're going to have a great time today as we begin to study the word of God. And last last, uh, December, this past December, when I came up here and I had an opportunity to share, we took a look at uh, really four Four verses of Jesus that he spoke in the book of Luke when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we began to study out what Jesus came to do, not only at the cross, but what he wants to do in our life as we move beyond the cross. And that was a case study in what Jesus shared. Today we're going to take a look at a case study about Moses, as I shared. And today we're going to talk about accepting the call of God for your life. Accept the call. See, I believe that God has a call on each and every person in this room. Now, the scripture tells us that when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captives and he gave gifts to men, some of which, some, some, some of which are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so we look at that five or fourfold ministry and we sometimes say, well, those are the called ones. And they're the ones that are called to do the work of the ministry. We're just glad to be saved. But the scripture says, as you go on to read in Ephesians, that the gifts of Jesus are given. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher. Those gifts are given for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so as we look at the call of Moses today, I don't want you to think, okay, yeah, that's Moses. And yeah, okay, there's a pastor and there's a prophet and there's an apostle. I want you to begin to ask yourself, God, if you haven't already answered this question in your life, God, what is your call on my life? 
What is the call that you have on my life? I don't care how young you are in this room. I don't care how old you are in this room. Because the truth is, Moses wasn't 80 until he started bringing the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And so it's important to know that no matter what your age, no matter what your background, no matter what your socioeconomic status, God has a call and a plan for you. Listen, God's kids, he's not just happy to have people saved. God has a purpose for everyone that he has created. Just like a manufacturer has a purpose and an intent for everything that he or she has crafted, God has a purpose for everyone that he has created. And the secret of life is to discover what is your purpose for me. And the beginning of that purpose, Paul says, is to know him. See, God doesn't save us so that we can do for him. He saves us because he loves us. But it's from that point on that he has a plan and a purpose for us to fulfill. And the truth is, if we find ourselves, not all the time, but if we find ourselves constantly frustrated in life, no matter how much progress we have made, it may be because we just may not have accepted the call yet of God in our lives, and we're wandering around frustrated. See, Moses, I'll give you a little history here. We're going to study Moses, but Moses, he knew that there was something different about him. In fact, his mother saved him because she was beautiful to him, and she knew that there was something special. We have the foreknowledge of knowing that he's the deliverer of Israel, but he thought, okay, God, I know that there's something special about me. I know you've put me in the house in the land of Egypt, and now I'm like a ruler here. So he rises up and slays one of the Egyptians, but his time has not come yet. His time has not come yet. Because even the Israelites say to him, who made you prince and judge over us? Are you going to kill us just like you killed that Egyptian? And so God has a plan and we get so frustrated sometimes because we feel like we're going around the same mountain. We feel like we're doing the same thing and we're crying out to God saying, God, what is it you're doing here? I believe that God can walk us through a simple step right here and show us some things as he reveals the story in his encounter with Moses. If you could go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Moses has now been in the wilderness for 40 years. He spent 40 years. A lot of people don't understand Moses. Moses spent a total of 80 years in the wilderness, 40 years on his own in preparation, and 40 years with the children of Israel. That's a long time to be in the wilderness. So if you're frustrated, hang on, okay? It's going to be good for us. But if we go to Exodus chapter 3, I want to take this line by line today and really discover. We have 14 verses we're going to read. You can either look on the screen, you can look on your tablet, your phone, but we're going to walk through it together once and then we're going to break it down. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock back to the desert, to the back of the desert rather, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, which the bush, why does the bush, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw him turn aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and the God of and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face. 
for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come now to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good land and a large, large land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore... Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God in this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And he said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent me to you. Many of us are very familiar with this passage. Maybe some are not so familiar. But this is really God coming now to Moses. Moses knew that there was a call on his life. He knew that he was set apart for a special purpose. Again, you're reading about a normal person. You can't just lump him into one of these Bible greats. You're reading about a normal person. Because God has a very special purpose for your life as well. And again, the secret of life is to be able to discover the treasure of God's call upon your life and to walk in that and fulfill that. So don't just think about Moses the way you know about him. This is a man just like you and me, like all the other people in the scripture. And so if we go back to verse 1, not enough can be said in church. I'll tell you what. It says right here, now Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. When we talked about Jesus, we talked about how Jesus went to the temple as was his custom. We cannot say enough about doing the first works, doing what your hands have found to do, because God will meet you in that moment. He will meet you in that time. Moses has now run away from Egypt. He knows there's a call, but he ran away from Egypt, and now he finds himself in this land. He gets married, he has a wife, and he's just doing work for his father-in-law, probably spending 40 years thinking, what, what happened? What's wrong? I know that there was something. How did I miss it? Going over every single detail of his life, and finally, probably at the point where he comes to the end of himself. And he realizes, I never had the ability. I never had the power. I'm just going to surrender. Now, he's just simply doing the first work. He's working for his father-in-law. See, a lot of people, we, we get saved and we like, okay, there's, there's a call of God on my life. And maybe God has called you to lay everything down, walk away from the practice, walk away from the business. And that will come. But maybe he's called you right where you are right now for this season. And he's going to teach you and he's going to lead you. And then there may come a time where he does ask you to go and do something great. 
but do the first work. Moses, like many of the other people in the scripture, we see that Abraham was just living, living a normal life. We see that David was tending the flock. The only one that you can't really look to is, is Gideon because he was hiding. He was afraid. So you don't have to hide. You can do the first work, but Gideon, we find hiding. And still in his hiding... The Spirit of the Lord comes to him. See, God knows our name. He knows our number. He knows where to find us, and he knows how to find us. So right now, if you're looking up saying, God, where are you? I've been missing you. I don't understand. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly when he's going to come through. And you just got to keep doing that first work because he will prove himself, and he will show himself strong. Let's do the first task that God has called us to do here. The second thing that we see actually comes uh, in verse 3. We're going to read down verse 2 again. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And this part really gets me every time. Verse 3. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. And here's the thing. If we don't read this carefully, we can totally miss it. You see, we we often say that, oh, I found God or I came to Christ and Jesus changed my life. But God was pursuing you the whole time. He has been pursuing us. And think back to that moment when God first drew you. Jesus said, nobody can come to me unless the Father first draws him. And so God puts this sight out there, this burning bush that's not consumed. And Moses responds to God drawing him. And so the second thing that we see here is Moses is drawn and he responds. You see, so many of us can come to church on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night. We can do all of these religious works. And God is putting those sights out there for us all the time. God is putting burning bushes out there all the time for us. But so often we're too busy, we just turn around and keep going our other way. I don't know what that burning bush is in your life, but you have to first be drawn. You have to first be interested. You have to first be dissatisfied with your current situation enough to turn aside and see there's something great here. There's something I really don't understand, but I'm going to turn and I'm going to look. And that's exactly what Moses does here. God draws each and every one of us to himself. But the thing is that God doesn't stop drawing just after you're saved. He pursues you. The Bible describes Jesus as the groom and we're the bride. Well, every husband knows you don't just say I do on your wedding day and then just expect your wife to be in love with her all the time. My wife, maybe I'm the only one, but my wife keeps me on a constant chase. In fact, she says it. She says, I love to keep you guessing. I love to keep you chasing. It keeps it real. It keeps it alive. Never know what's going to happen. And it's great. But Jesus is like that. I have to keep pursuing her. And Jesus keeps pursuing us. Why? Because we change. We go through life. The hurts and the pains of life, they knock us down. And Jesus comes back to pursue us again, to draw us close and to pull us a little bit deeper. Because he's there. He never walks out. In those times where it seems dry, maybe we just need to spend some time in some prayer and some fasting and set aside all of the things that we have turned to. How many things do we turn to in a given day instead of the voice of the Lord? How many times do we see that burning bush, quote unquote? We see something that God's doing, but we're not, re- not yet ready to handle it. We're not yet ready to receive it. And so we fill our lives with something that will pacify the ache in our heart because we know we're not really doing what God has called us to do. 
And if we would just put aside our flesh, it's hard. We all have to do it. But if we put aside, we can hear clearer. Isn't that right, Lorinda? Clean out your ears. You can hear clearer. And then you'll be able to see clearer. So God finds Moses in this place. And I think that Moses has probably come to the end of himself. And he's been waiting for something supernatural. Sounds like us, doesn't it? We're waiting for something supernatural in the time that we're living And God is so ready to pour out. He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon all flesh. And so we're living in this time. So God now in verse four, this is what's amazing. You see a beautiful relationship. This is really, really powerful. In verse three, it says that Moses said, I will turn aside. God did the drawing first, but Moses responded. When I first met my wife, I had to pursue her and pursue her. And pursue her. And she didn't respond very well at first. She wanted nothing to do with me. But I kept pursuing until one day I became a burning bush. And I became interesting. I became interesting. She said, oh, I will now turn aside and see. And I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I was so grateful for that day. And it's been transformational. But we saw the Holy Spirit work in our life. And see, God is working by His Spirit with Moses. He's been working with him in his silent, lost time in the wilderness. And now Moses is at the place where he's been waiting. And God draws him. And he's been drawing you and I, not just to salvation. But as we talked about last time, there is a place beyond the cross as we take up our cross and follow him. And so he draws him. And in verse four, we see that. So when the Lord, when the Lord saw that he turned. Oh, guys, this is so powerful. God saw that Moses turned. God put out a feeler. God put out the bait. Let's see if Moses responds this time. He puts out a burning bush. Now, I don't know the significance of the burning bush. The smart people do, probably like Pastor John. But I I just know God put out the bait. He put out the bait, puts out the feeler, and Moses turns aside. And in verse 4, God says that when the Lord saw him turned, God called to him. When he saw him turn, God called to him. How many times, again, going back to the ways that we pacify ourselves throughout the day, going back, and I'm speaking to myself, we all do it. We have coping mechanisms just to get through the daily living, things we turn to, little addictions that build up in our life, whether it's food or drink or other things we turn to. And God has all this bait out there. Come, come a little closer, come a little closer. But for whatever reason, it just seems too hard or too difficult or we don't want it right away. So we pacify, we numb, we say, okay, you know, I'm going to push that down because I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. But there's that awesome day when we finally realize everything we've been pursuing here on this earth doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. What would it be benefit for me to gain this whole world and lose this soul? It doesn't mean anything. And we get to that place and we see that bush, that burning bush or whatever it is the Lord has sent to us all the time it's been there. And we say, ah, now I'm going to turn And now I'm going to know him. And he says, because you have turned, now I will speak. Scripture tells us, flash forward in the book of James, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. So God will now speak because you've turned your ear. God will now speak because you've turned your face. 
And that's it. He's out there. He's waiting. He's put out the bait. And he's saying, come, 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 come. And we just have to turn aside and look. So God calls Moses. So when the Lord saw, God called. God began to speak here. And you know, we see this here. I want you to read on in verse 4. It says, So when the Lord saw that he, who is Moses, turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Now again, I, I don't speak Hebrew, so I have to do research. And, you know, I really want to encourage you. Sometimes we read the scripture and we just kind of take it at face value. Well, if we do that, we're going to miss hidden gems. And we have to do some research. But we have great tools like the Blue Letter Bible that you can learn Hebrew and Greek words to all different things in the scripture. And when God calls to Moses, he says, Moses, Moses. Now, you and I think, oh, he's calling his name twice unless you've actually done the Bible study. But to call a name twice in Hebrew is a sign of intimacy. God is already telling him, I have an intimate connection with you. Moses, Moses, Abraham, Abraham, Samuel, Samuel. There's an intimacy you see throughout the scripture when God calls this name twice. It's a Hebrew expression of intimacy. And so God is now reaching out. We often have this view of God being so big and so lofty and so far removed from where we are, but he is now reaching out. And what is the greatest way that he reached out? What is the most intimate way that he reached out to us? Through Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. He has reached out to us through the person the intimate expression of who he is in Jesus. So God calls to him, Moses, Moses. And we have another interesting phrase here that you find throughout the scripture. He says, here I am. This is a really, really powerful passage because you and I might read here I am and say, yeah, I'm here. You've been looking for me. I'm here. But it means so much more than that. In fact, there's a local doctor and rabbi, and uh, in her study of the word hineni, which is this Hebrew word, she says that this word, here I am, or this phrase, here I am, actually signifies a turning point in an individual's life, a potentially life-changing moment requiring a decision, action, and resolution. She goes on to say that when the Torah uses the word, the person is responding, I hear your call. I understand what you're asking of me. And I'm prepared and I'm ready to do it, even though it's going to be hard. Even though it's going to be hard. See, Moses begins to answer God. I'm saying answer right now. Moses begins to answer God by saying, here I am. There are many others in the scripture. Abraham said, here I am. Samuel said, here I am, Lord, your servant speaks. One of the most uh, famous that we know, Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And every time we see this phrase, it's a phrase that says, I understand, I hear your call, I understand what you're saying, and I'm willing to put some action to it, even though it's going to be hard, because I know to not act will cost. And Moses says, here I am, but Moses, see, this is, this is the thing, because many of us, if I was to poll the rule, many of us have heard the voice of God in our lives. Many of us have heard the Lord speak. And at times, at times, at times of full faith, we've said, here I am. But when it gets difficult, we begin to pull away. You see, we really haven't accepted the call at that point. We've only answered the call. And there is a difference between answering the call 
and accepting the call. I can answer a phone call. I can answer a question. But to accept it means I'm going to make it mine. mine, And take full responsibility for what has been asked. And Moses thinks at this point that he's answering the call of God. But here's the problem. (laughs) Same thing with us. God hasn't laid out any plan yet. He hasn't told him how difficult it's going to be. And in fact, it gets interesting because Moses believes that he's answered the call of God, but he has just answered. He hasn't yet accepted. And I'm going to show you how. Let's keep reading here. We go on to verse 5. Now, this is a real beautiful passage. Many of us know this, but uh, in verse 5, God says, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I began to meditate on this and say, Lord, why his sandals... And why not his robe? Why does Moses get, is Moses, is Moses running around the wilderness naked? He just has sandals on? Like, you know, why, why his sandals? God said the place where you stand is holy ground. God said to the people of the Old Testament that their altars could not be built by anything made of man. Moses had to take his sandals off because they were made by man. His feet were made by God. And he needed to be grounded in holiness and righteousness before he could stand before the presence of the king. So God begins to say, take your sandals off your feet for where you're standing is holy ground. I will ground you. Look at what God is saying to him. See, I look at that and I'm like, whoa, God, you're tough. But no, 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 God is saying, I will ground you in holiness and righteousness. I will ground you. And has he not done that for us through Jesus the Christ? He has become our righteous. We are his righteousness. We are his righteousness. We're righteous because of him. So he has grounded us. He has rooted us in this righteousness and this holiness. And then God begins to reveal himself. This is so beautiful. So beautiful. And yet it can be so missed. God begins to reveal his nature and his character through six I statements. Let's just review real quick. Moses is doing his job. While he's doing a job, he sees the bush. He says, this time I'm going to turn around and find out what's going on. Because he drew near, because he turned aside, God began to speak. Then God says, I'm the one that can ground you in holiness. It can't be by you or anything else people have done for you. You must be rooted in me. Okay, so God does that. And now, now God says, you're ready to hear. You're ready to hear. And God reveals himself in the next five passages with six I statements. And I'm going to lay that in there again. Six I statements. It's important to recognize that God is speaking of himself and from himself. And there's a reason why. Let's read on here. Verse 6. Moreover, he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And God is now revealing the covenant relationship that he has. I'm the God of your people. This is not anybody speaking to you. This is me, the God of gods. I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we can see how Moses now begins to shift because the very next sentence says, and Moses hid his face. Now he knows he's in the presence of the living God. Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look upon God. He then begins to say, first of all, I want you to see this. He's establishing first and foremost who he is as God. 
who he is as supreme Lord. Now he's going to reveal his heart. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Listen, we need to pause right here. Because not only is God revealing his nature and revealing his character, but it's also a good point for us to stop and recognize that if God knew the sorrows and the oppression of the Egyptians, he surely knows the sorrows and the oppressions that we may be facing even right now. And we may not have seen him respond yet, but he knows he's working. He's working. He knows. And he's working on your behalf. He knows exactly what's going on. And he's working on your behalf. Take note that God said, I have taken note. I have seen the oppression. I have seen the labor of these taskmasters. And I know the sorrows of my people. I know their sorrows, God says. God says in verse 8, so I have come down. Okay, this is really important now. Who came down? Thank you, Allie. Who came down? God. God says, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good land and a large land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. God now in verse 9 reaffirms that he knows. He says, now therefore... Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen their oppression from the Egyptians. Come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh. See, there's so much that's going on here. First of all, God just spent four verses saying, I, 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 I. Now he says, you. But he doesn't just say you. He says, I will send you. It's important to look. Verse, in, verse 8, he says, I have come down. I have come down. Let's keep reading here. He says, I will send you. How does Moses respond? Let's think about this. In the beginning, when God revealed him, when God spoke to Moses, Moses said, here I am. Now look at what he says. After God has shared his character and his nature. Now Moses says, God, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You see, this is the thing. This is why there's a difference between answering the call and accepting the call. Because we answer the call first when we see that God is speaking and when God is moving. But then when God begins to show us what he actually has for us, we have to make a second decision to now accept that this call is ours and we're going to move forward with it. Because we've answered him, now we have to accept it. But the problem happens, the problem that happens, happened to Moses and it happens to all of us. See, Moses, just like Peter walking on water, who has ever walked on water other than Jesus? Just like Peter walking on water, Moses now begins to look at the circumstance of what God is saying. And he says, who am I? Who am I? But see, that's the wrong question. And that's where you and I get handcuffed all the time. Who am I? God answers his who am I right here in verse 14. And God said to Moses, we'll go back to 12 and 13, but God said to Moses, I am. I am who I am. It's not you who you are. I am 
who I am. Don't you remember? I said I've come down. Don't you remember? I've said I've seen their oppression. I am who I am. Not you are who you are. When is it ever going to be done by us? I am who I am, God says. It's not about who we think we are. God is looking for willing and obedient vessels. Willing and obedient. Willing and obedient is what he said. So Moses, he has found. Moses says, here I am. But Moses now begins to see the weight of what God is asking him. And because that weight becomes so heavy to him, he takes his eyes off of the one who is speaking. Just like Peter out there in the water when Jesus said, come. He took his eyes off of Jesus and put it on the storm. Moses is now taking his eyes off of the one who promised. And now he's beginning to look at the weight and the brevity of what God is asking. But God isn't asking. He's not asking. He is telling him. He is calling him. Why? Because the call of God is without repentance. And God will not take back what he has said. God called Moses from the beginning. And he's using Moses. Whether or not Moses wants to get in line with him. And you know the story as well as I do. Moses goes through a whole litany of reasons why he's not good enough. And God just says, no, I'll be there. No, I am who I am. I'll be right there. I'll be your voice. God finally gets fed up with him. And it's kind of comical. In verse 13 of chapter 4, just for fun, let's look at it. They don't have it up there, but just for fun. If you have uh, Exodus chapter 4, go to verse 13. Moses has just gone ad nauseum with God. God, I'm just not good enough. You know, God, I can't really speak, and I'm a stutterer. I know I've been in Egypt forever, and I've been trained by all the best people in the world, but I'm really not that good, God. And God is just so fed up with him. He says, Moses says in verse 13, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. In other words, God, pick somebody else. God, pick somebody else. I mean, he's standing before God. God, pick somebody else. I mean, you and I would be petrified. But he's grounded in holiness, so he's okay. He said, God, pick somebody else. This is the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. I mean, this is comical. Since the anger of the Lord is kindled against Moses, he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? Okay? I know he can speak well. And look, look! He's also coming out to meet with you. Okay? There, you have it. I'm sending you and I'm sending Aaron. I wanted to send you, but you just won't listen. So I'm going to send your brother with you, and you can do the job together. And don't you know it causes Moses more trouble <laughs> oh, if we would just listen from the beginning, if we would just listen from the beginning. But Aaron gets in line, you know, he gets in line, he does it right. God makes his whole family the priest, it all works out. But he gets a little trouble first. But see, that's the thing. Man, we spend so much time looking at who we are and our inadequacies, and God never said it was about you. And here's the secret. See, first of all, we have to recognize that God loves us, okay? What I'm about to say has to be prefaced with the truth that God loves us. And he has formed us. And he has knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows our frame. He knows that we're just dust. But he has chosen to work through this vessel. So accept it. 
accept it. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why we have to accept the call of God for our life. Because verse 7 says, the Lord said, verse 7 of chapter 3 now. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And friends and family, we have to realize the call of God is not about us. If we don't accept the call, others will suffer. Why? Yes, God could have raised up somebody else, but God put in the DNA of Moses what was needed. Remember the manufacturer. The manufacturer designs every individual item for a specific purpose. And the same is true with Creator God. He designs every individual with a specific purpose. So why have God raised somebody else up? Why not just submit and accept the call of God for our lives so God can free His people from oppression? So God, who has heard their sorrows, can use you and me to redeem lives from destruction. We just simply need to accept the call. It's hard. It's going to cost us. But you know what? Think about how frustrating it is. Think about how frustrating it is. Well, we know. Square peg in a round hole. How long will we sit there banging a square peg in a round hole? It's so frustrating. And the reason, I'm going to go back to one of the first things I said. The reason sometimes, not every little frustration and annoyance, but if you have been going around and around, And the years have passed and you're still going around and around and around. Maybe it's time to stop. To cry out to God. To draw near so God can begin to speak to you what he has designed you for. What he has made you for. Because God is patient. He'll hold out as long as it takes. Took Moses 40 years, 80 years 120 years, okay? God is patient. He will be patient to wait for you and for for me. But here's the thing. We need to accept this call. And I, I, I see the weight of it so much more now because other lives are at stake. The freedom of others is in the balance if you and I don't respond. Many are waiting for Jesus to return. And Jesus will return. Peter tells us God's not slow. He's not slow concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. And so that means you and I have to begin to step in line and accept the call of of God in our lives so that lives can be saved to expedite the return of Jesus. If that's really what we're looking for, then we ought to hook up with God and accept that call in our life. Say, what is it going to cost me? I have no idea what it's going to cost you, but it will cost you. But here's the thing. There's no sense in living in frustration, coming to the end of your life and saying, man, I wish I would have just listened to God. I wish I would have just accepted that call. So no matter where you are on the spectrum, no matter how young or how old you are or what you think your reason for not accepting the call is, it doesn't really matter. Because if God is calling and he's been knocking and there's been an ache on your heart for as long as you can remember, 
then maybe it's time to get alone with God. Maybe it's time to put aside the things that we so easily turn to to numb and pacify ourselves. And maybe it's time to turn aside and hear from the Lord. As I was meditating on this this week, uh, the Lord gave me a song, and he often does this, and I'm not usually obedient. I don't usually bring the song. Because they say, oh, no, that, that's me. God, no, it's not. No, it's not. I was talking to Pastor Ray about this. God, God gave me the message, and he gave me the song. Why shouldn't I bring the song? He said, oh, I'm robbing you. I, don't, I didn't come up with this. I'm standing right here, and the Holy Spirit poured it out. So I don't know how well it's going to come out. I'm just going to play it. make sure we're plugged in. I'm going to get a drink first. You got this guitar on, guys? Is that on, Jerry? Thank you. Oh, Lord, help us accept the call.
many of us in this room who have responded who have answered but maybe we haven't yet fully accepted and so Father today is the day today is the day that we put aside the weights and the sins that easily beset us and we begin to run with endurance looking to Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith Father, I just want to pray for everyone in this room right now. Lord, so many of us have disqualified ourselves. So many of us have looked and said, who are we? What what, what could you do through us? What could you do through me? But Lord, that's a cop-out. We're not going to say it anymore. We're going to say, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Whatever your will, here I am. Whatever your desire, here I am. Here I am. Send me. Use me. I want to be a vessel for your glory. I want to be used the way you designed me. I want to fulfill my purpose. What a waste to come to the end and not be used and fulfilled the way I was supposed to be. I want to be used by you, God. I want to fulfill your purpose in my life. Thank you, Lord. I want to talk to a number of us this morning, maybe for those right now who are in the room who have heard that voice. They've heard the call of God. And you're at the place where you haven't answered. You haven't even answered. Forget about accepting. You haven't even answered. Say, that's me, man, right now. I really want to answer that call. I really want to answer that call. And then there's those of us in this room who have heard the call and we said, yes, Lord, here I am. But then God began to show us all that he wants to do. And we're stuck at who am I? I want to pray for you this morning. And then there are those who have accepted the call and you're in the trenches. And even in being in the trenches, nobody can steal your joy. No one can rob your peace because... You're fulfilled. 
Now, I can't locate you this morning. Only you can locate you this morning. And I just want to ask you to search your heart in these next few moments. Locate yourself. Where are you with those three journeys, those three parts of the journey? Where are you? Wherever you are, just begin to speak to the Lord. I don't need you to raise your hand. It's between you and God. Wherever you are, if it's time to answer, then answer. If it's time to accept, then accept. If it's time to sure up the call and keep moving forward, then sure it up and keep moving forward. And let nobody rob you of your purpose. As you're praying and talking to the Lord, I have another question today. I want to reach out. I know there's at least one new person here, but I want to reach out and ask this question. And for those of you who are praying, you've heard the voice or you're looking to hear the voice, maybe you're, that's right.